I would like to do something different tonight, um, and here's what I'd like to do is, um, it's because I'm doing a sermon this Sunday. Oh, we've got to help you write your sermon. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly right. No. Um, so you can call that selfish, but but I also think, as you'll see, what I have to do with the sermon, that also relates a lot to some of the stuff even in John. Um, so... I would I would like tonight to just I'm not going to do the sermon, but I would love to just because I'm still working at it. But I would love to get your guys' thoughts and just as we go through the passage that I want to go through. Now, when I say the passage that I want to go through, um, so we're Jeff is doing the liturgical calendar um, for sermons on Sundays. Um, and the liturgical calendar is basically what the Catholic and a lot of other churches, denominational churches, use um, to guide what they do um, on a Sunday. And they have like a three-year calendar that goes through all of, you know, sort of goes through all of Scripture. But so basically what happens is every Sunday you have like an Old Testament passage, you have a Psalm passage, you have a New Testament passage... And when people preach on a Sunday at different churches following this calendar, they sort of choose which of these different passages they want to use. Okay? So, um, anyway. So I'm just gone next Sunday, this Sunday. And so I'm choosing to do Roman. The passage is that I'm choosing to do is Romans 8. 26 through um, 39. Although, as I read it, um, I said last week, we don't, you know, we're getting away from the Spirit. But what's fascinating about Romans 8 is Romans 8 as a whole is just filled with the Spirit. <laughs> I mean, it's just throughout. Um, and, I'm gonna, in fact, I'm going to pass out the passage to you so we're all sort of like seen in the same version. Um, and I'll tell you guys what I'm thinking about doing, and then Romans we can go through what? the passage. Hmm? 26. Romans Sorry, Romans 8. Well, yeah, Romans, but in some ways I want to say I'm going to be probably looking at almost all of Romans 8. Well, we can't really do all that in one sermon. Um, so this way, if people don't like the sermon, I can just say, well, you know, the men's group. I asked them. But, you know, I will say one thing is, if you take a look at the most important chapters in all of Scripture, I would agree with this, Romans 8 is probably one of the classic, most important passages of all of Scripture. Um, and you'll see why, I think, tonight, because it really gets at the heart of what it means to be a Christian. I mean, in some ways, you could do a whole discipleship program with just Romans 8. I mean, it really encapsulates, I'd say very succinctly in a lot of ways, what does this Christian life look like? All right. And it has some famous passages that people have heard over and over again, um, one of them being 828, that I think all of you know. Um, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. You probably have heard that quoted a few times. All right, so there's different um, passages in here that are like that. But here's what I'm thinking about doing. Let me just start out with, I'm thinking about 
starting at the end of Romans 8. Okay, because the passage that I technically have is 26 through the end of 39. <coughs> but I want to just read for you, and again, this is a passage probably most of you are very familiar about, have heard, have used, maybe about had other people quote to you. Um, and I'm going to just start at 31 and read it, but there's one thing at the very last sentence that I want to, want to touch on. So if you look at 31... It says, what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. And then here's main part. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, because of you we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. And then Paul says emphatically, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then he says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That very last sentence is what I want to really sort of start the sermon on is, notice what Paul says. He says, for I am persuaded. That word persuaded means I am convinced. In different versions, I am sure. I am confident. Um, He's saying that I know more than anything that this is true. Okay? And, in fact, in Philippians 1.6, he also uses it. Um, With the, um, he who began a good work in you shall finish it. Right, so that, well, it starts out, uh, Paul says, I am confident of this. He who began a good work in you will finish it. Um, and I think, Tom, you have like the King James. I think it says persuaded in yours too. Did you, did you look at Brothers? I just looked at it. Um, what? 38. 838. For I am persuaded. Yeah. So that persuaded means that I'm, in essence, I'm, I'm convinced that nothing will separate us from the love of God. And here's my question, and we'll go and read all of Romans 8, but my question first is, how how much do you really believe that? How much do you really believe that nothing that is listed here will separate us from the love of God? And if you do... Does that change your life at all? Does it affect your life at all that you really believe that? Because if you think about it, that's a, I mean, that is a huge thing. So anyway, that's my, first of all, that's my question is, do you really believe that? And if so, how does it change your life? And if you maybe really are wrestling with that, how is that affecting your life about whether you really, really believe? What Paul says here. 
Gil, you were going to say something? Well, I, I just said, I'm, uh, I just echoed somebody else said, uh, I said emphatically. I mean, we have to. Well, you, we have to. Does it change your life that you believe that? Well, as I go through whatever I'm going through, and I, be, I learn more and more about how much God is in every crisis in everything, I'm more and more convinced all the time. I mean, it's, it's the only... It, if it isn't true, mm-hmm. we're all <coughs> done for. I'm done for. <laughs> what about others? <clears throat> well, to me, that's the, um, the essence of what Christ gives us. This, this is the statement of freedom. Mm-hmm. So, you, you aren't free unless you abide in this. You, you have to live in this. This has to be a reality. This is the difference in a Christian versus not. And if a Christian doesn't understand this, then they're not probably in that abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. Because, and he notes how he says, nor any other created thing. Everything except for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were created. So what do we have to fear? Nothing. And if we're living in an eternal reality, and we know Christ has already conquered death, so we can walk in this life in eternal reality and free of all the evil in the world. I Hopefully we're all witnessing the fact that this is just becoming more and more and more dramatically black and white. So that, and I believe that it's in order for the light to be more and more obvious and bring us to the only logical solution. The term more and more indicates that there's a progression. Uh So I think to get to this point, it's it's important to think about your age. Uh, I don't mean that by numbers of years, but by time spent with Christ. your personal experience and what's happening right at the moment. Uh, we don't swear unless we hit our finger with a hammer. So, it's, uh, you know, all these things are more and more, but there is a progression, I think, to get to the point. I mean, Jason spent a lot of time thinking about all this. Somebody who's brand new may not be quite as assured as Jason is. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have the experience. To, uh, I I had a mentor years ago who said, "Practice the things that you believe mm-hmm. when things are really good." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when things get really bad, you've already determined the path that you want to walk. That's very good. Yeah, that was very good. Yeah, yeah. Very true. Yeah. Hold on, Jason. Let me just see if others want to see. Well, he wants to. I was just going to share share a story on this. This is really bizarre. Okay, but this is like that real life, like in the moment scenario, right? 
So the other morning, Saturday morning, I got up to go get, uh, at 7 in the morning, to go get coffee for my wife and I. And a little special Saturday morning coffee. And so I walk out our little gate thing, and, and I hear a little commotion, and our street's small and you know, but once in a while we get a little homeless, little somebody off their meds doing something weird. Um, so I didn't think too much of it, but I hear this little commotion. And and where I can finally see, there's a man in a truck getting out. And he's just some some guy. And there's a, there's a guy next to him. And I'm kind of just seeing the silhouette. And he's sort of this thick guy with a full-on devil mask on with these huge horns. Okay? And like a bandana. And... What? Yeah, exactly. It's 7 (laughs) a.m. But I mean, it was like dead quiet except for this. And I'm going, what? And the the guy with the devil mask is kind of getting around all like this. And the the man is just like, okay, okay, just go away now. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. And so I step out in the street so the guy could see me. And I'm just standing there with my wallet, my phone in my hand. And I'm just looking at this guy. Doing, and he looks at me, and he's like forty feet away, and he and he's just suddenly he sees me, and he goes, and right about this time, my other neighbor pops out, and he's like the neighborhood policeman guy, and he looks out, and he looks, and he's like, sees it, and this guy goes, "What are you looking at?" to me, and I just stared at him, I just kept looking at him, totally calm, and because. What the, you know, I starts cussing. What the hell are you looking at? And he, all of a sudden, he just starts to charge me. Okay, with the, with these like one foot long, you know, devil horns, right? And he's just charging me, and and he's he's like this thick little juggernaut guy, and I'm just I'm just kind of, and I just stood there, and the guy just came, came pretty soon, and he's picking up speed, picking up speed, and he's like running, and he right at me. At this point, my neighbor closes, like zoop, zoop, goes back in his house. And I'm like, I'm going, all right. And, <laughs> and, and, yeah, and suddenly this dude's right here. And I didn't move a muscle. I didn't flinch. I did nothing. I wasn't scared. I wasn't con- even concerned. I was just, the whole thing was sort of like, this is the, this is very odd, you know? And, and, and he goes, you scared? And I just looked him right, and all like you could see were his eyeball isolates, right? And I just looked in his eyes, and I said, no. And he goes, well, just kidding, man. And then he went in this crazy rant, and I just kind of, you know, tap pat on the shoulder. I'm like, hey, dude, what? You know, go about your day. And and I walked away, and the other guy, my neighbor, had gone into his house to get his gun. That's what I'm Okay? Because he was totally freaked out. And then later, he's like... Wow. For three days, every day I see this, my neighbor, he's like, it's still freaking me out. And I was like, it's just demonic stuff, dude. Yeah. It just happens all the time. And, and I, I pondered, I was like, it wasn't like, you know, this guy couldn't have done something terrible and pulled out a gun, hurt man, whatever, right? I just had no fear. What's the moral? The moral is that the only reason that I didn't have fear is not because I'm some tough guy. It was that I just didn't have any fear. And it was not my doing. Right? It was because of, of this. There's just 
That's a real practical example. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a change your life. Right. Yeah. I mean, I tripped out on it. I was like, huh, that was a very weird reaction to that, you know? But the guy was diffused. Just jumped. Just went away. Was he the one in the truck, or was he the one... No, he was harassing the guy in the truck. Oh, I see. So he he was a kind of maybe kind of a bipolar guy or something that hadn't done their meds or uh, you don't know. Yeah. This guy was. You've never seen him before. He was started. To, he was he was he had some demons in him. Did he? He did. He was he was really. Well, he, he was breaking the peace. Did did he just trot away, or did you make a phone call at all? He, he trotted away, and then out of nowhere, he's like he called he called some little some name. Come on, Chi-Chi, or whatever, and this little teeny black and white dog comes running out. <laughs> it's hysterical, and they walked off. I was like, that's just the weirdest thing ever. But yeah, wow. anyway. Wow. Okay. Good. I don't want to ask him wow. to repeat that story. Any, so, okay, so anyway, just so questions. So, yeah, I don't have to say, nor yeah. height, nor depth, nor any weird guy. And the little teeny dog. Right. <laughs> I, yes, Eric. Picking up on Jason's story, uh, it's really important to read this, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present or things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. I look at it back afterwards that we're human and the things of life that bug us are how we're attacked. And we worry about our health and we worry about this and we worry about jobs and finances and all the rest of that stuff. And so by worrying about them, we're separating us from God. Because this says, there isn't any other power that can separate you. So the way I see it is, in a way, we're our own worst enemy by getting into the worry-wart phase and, and by allowing the things of life to really, really, really affect us. And so... Um, I struggled with this in a lot of different ways. So my answer is, God's in control. My job is to show up. I can keep showing up. I don't have to succumb to these words because I'm secure in the fact that God is in control. Yeah. And that's the comfort. And so... That's how it changes your life, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so when he's standing there, you know, God's in control. So I'm standing on my faith, and so these things of the world that's trying to undermine me and distract me from the comfort of my relationship with Christ and who I am in Him, and the power and authority that I have as a result of that relationship, um, those other things are part of life, but God's in control. My job is to keep showing up. So... I I can keep showing up. That's something I can do. And so it's a matter of putting the attacks of the world in perspective. So, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we challenge this man, and we ask you to be surrounded by angelic hosts, and that he would not be a danger to anyone. 
but that he would be held and bound by the angelic host and the Holy Spirit and that any harm he brings with him would be held by Christ. We challenge him in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for protecting our brother, Jason. We do not, we do not bend to this. We stand in Christ. And similar for any experiences we all may have. Amen. And protect Chi Chi. Yeah, protect Chi Chi. And if this guy's married, protect his wife. David. I didn't do it, trust an individual me. Had it was will. early, you were looking at it. It could have been much differently. It could have, yeah. It could have been much differently. And you may be <coughs> right. So, these things that you've read in my it was all great. But there is some part of defending your rights mm-hmm. included in that, okay? I thought the same mm-hmm. thing. We gotta got stand. Well, and there's, I think there's, um, there's, there's definitely wisdom in being led by the Spirit. And, I mean, your situation, there you go. There, but another situation is David's saying, because sure. something different, but that's what we all have to be attentive in this world. Right. Is, I, is listening I to that. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys know it, but I'm, I'm living in friendship shelter over here and what Jason talked about I experience it every day you just in that shelter yeah. and uh, it used to be a place for sobriety but what they've turned it into now is the city wants all the homeless off the street and so they're using it to try to get housing the problem is the system's just packed it's just flooded and uh, I, I went through two, I've been there two, two months, two and a half months. But people are using drugs, drinking. They're, I don't have one good Christian friend over there. Everybody, there's a couple Christians, but they're dabbling all around. And I've, I've been sober a long time. I, I know it's, being sober is, you know, the way the Lord talks about it, but... I have been to AA and different things. And, um, very few sober people over there. And it just it just amazes me what that environment creates. Yeah. And uh, um, but I, I sense this every day. Every day I'm, I'm in conflict, I feel. I'm always in a spiritual battle there. And I've been asking the Lord at this point, I want to like I, I would pack my car and split, you know, if things had, would come together. I, I'm hoping that soon something will come that I can get out of it. But it, I've been a believer a long time, and I've been around other spiritual things. But it's just a thick, heavy, dark feeling. Yeah, you were saying you feel the demonic part. Yeah, there's a gal that works there. Her name is Alicia. She comes on the weekend. And uh, that's usually when the people party, you know. And there's there's meth there, there's whatever they can get away with it. And, uh, but she told me she has a dog. She walks through the hallways and has to do a body count in the rooms. 
And uh, she said, well, have you ever felt, you know, the, I, I think I felt the demon, and this and that. But yeah, I do. I'm living amongst it. And then going through this, that's the thing that's drilling me right now, is I'm going, Lord, I just can't take this anymore. You know, I'm, I'm at that point where I can't do it anymore. You know, and uh, that's the way it's affecting me this, this last week. You know, you know, between the pain and the demons is where I feel like I'm caught somewhere. Father, please. <laughs> All right, um, others. What about others? Yeah. Yeah, I, since I'm new to this group, I'm not sure. We have some idea. You've been here before. <laughs> well, yeah, but with the church a lot, but not for this Bible study. And uh, I, I became a Christian January 9th, 1970. And so that was uh, uh, during the Jesus movement. And uh, I became a Christian at Chico State. And they had an evangelical outreach. And I, prior to that, I was a total atheist. And, uh, total atheist. Uh, and when I became a Christian, it, I mean, it, it was from dark to light. And, uh, and I, my wife has, uh, passed too. I've, so I've been through that. And it was, it was actually a very beautiful scene where, where God was, so much there. We were living on Monterey Bay. It was just absolutely awesome how he took her. You know, I mean, she had cancer and she was, you know, it wasn't uh, something that was unpredicted. But, uh, you know, as far as this verse goes, mm-hmm. I am absolutely persuaded that uh, that this is the case. Mm-hmm. And and the reason I, I mentioned when I became a Christian is it was, it, it was a real magical time. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was, I found the truth, you know, and, and I mean, I was a really excited Christian. And, and three months later, I was, you know, the army had me, because you know, the draft was on. And uh, and I had ended up with great Christian fellowship there, too. But right after becoming a Christian, I'm reading a coffee table book of Christianity. And uh, uh, we, we had a big family library. And, and so it, it was describing taking the Christians out to, to the Colosseum. And, uh, and, and I was just, re- it was like horrible. You know, I, I, you would think it would be, you know, it was horrible at first. And I, I asked uh, this, my new Lord, Lord, how in the world could they handle this? And there was a soft presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I mean, it was just a magical type of moment that came where where God was with them in that type of situation, going to the Colosseum. And what really got me, and and when this this sweeping of the Holy Spirit happened, was reading that a lot of the Roman soldiers, because of how the Christians uh, reacted. I mean, where they weren't all flipping out and going, oh no, they're going to kill us, you know. It wasn't like that, you know. I mean, they, okay, we're off to the Coliseum to be eaten by lions and tigers and bears and whatever, you know, uh, they were throwing out there and wild animals. And, but because of their, the, the attitude that they projected, which was the Holy Spirit, and, 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 uh, uh, you know, a lot of the, the Roman guards joined them. 
And, and, and that's the type of support that we could get in time of emergency. And I saw it also with my wife, which is why I mentioned her dying. I mean, there was, uh, and I've lived long enough and I've been up and down. And I've also believed that it should be required reading for every Christian to read screw tape letters. Yeah. Uh, because, and if you haven't read screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis, it is a must to understand how demonic activity does work because it is real. And I'm sure that that was the oh, demonically yeah. influenced. Mm-hmm. And I have experienced that. And, uh, and, and also experienced uh, God relieving me of, uh, of this horrendous scene. And uh, so I'm, while I've been up and down my Christian walk, I am totally persuaded that that scripture is absolutely right on the mark. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Others? Um, yeah, Bruce, you agree? Yeah, I think I know it on an intellectual basis, but my flesh falls short on a daily basis. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, it's a struggle every day. Yeah. Of course, in the choice of the word persuasion. Uh huh. I went back and looked at the It says, sure, I'm sure. That's right. Persuasion is kind of a. Yeah, and persuade. Well, you know how to get it. That's a different translations. So the ESV actually uses the word sure. That's, that's what I've got. This is the CSV, which uses persuade. Um, King James uses persuade. I, but Mine sure says convince. Convince. So convince, sure, and persuade. And I agree with you. Those sound different. But I think persuade here is really that sense. Well, it's, a, it's a word meaning sure, and uh, I, I'm, so I would suggest that it's it, it, if you're persuaded if you are persuaded by the truth, then it's a powerful word. He wasn't persuaded by another human being. He was persuaded by God. What? He's coming in. Hey man, what's up, Bob? Uh, hey, Bob. All right. Um, yes, yeah, so good. But well, you're I'm right, David. I can see what you mean by the different. Um, yeah. yeah. Others, questions? Just anybody else comments? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, verse thirty-five uh, sets it up. Is, uh-huh. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So when we're talking about all of the hardships, personal stories, or whether we read them here. God's not in the business of delivering us from trouble. He's not in the business of healing us in this case. He's just saying, you're, not, I'm never, you're never going to be separated from my love. That's what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Nothing will separate him. Right. So in the physical realm, like you're talking about, that's another, this is the spiritual realm. That's all he's talking about. And in the spirit realm, we're never, if we're a believer, going to be separated from his love. Mm-hmm. But the question that Greg had was, how does that affect your life? And does it? Your life now, here. It it just gives such a sense of well being. (laughs) Others, yeah, I don't know if you have an answer for that. You know, so, um, was it last week or two weeks ago when Jason was mentioning our friend John Eagle Mm -hmm. and, and Jason's experience with him, he and Taffy, and how John is interacting with the Lord, talking to the Lord, and it was a, a, a you know, the season of almost transitioning over, 
and how it's like the, the membrane, Jason had said, it's like a, the membrane between now yes. and eternity gets thinner and thinner. And, and interestingly, Jeff said during the sermon, you know, completely separately, he gave an illustration of when it's like that membrane between this life and our eternal life, the eternal life, gets almost really thin. And it, this is the description we see. I, I remember, uh, we all remember uh, one of those occasions in the media where, like, Columbine in the 90s or whatever, and that young Christian gal against the corner or whatever, and then they, they, they said, are you, a, like, a Christian? And she affirmed that she was, and, and she lost her life. And I thought to myself, would I, would I have said yes? I, I realize now, for, for various reasons, I would definitely, I'd, yeah, I would definitely say yes. And uh, I would be prepared, as Jason was just describing what he was experiencing the other day, I I would have been like go, losing it and going after the guy with a baseball bat, and that's wrong. Um, but that's my flesh. And uh, and so uh, to know that it's like we're on Normandy Beach, and just to take the beach or just to get out of our car and go in the house, um, that all that schizoid stuff is flittering around, and um, I just want to wear it. I want to wear the Holy Spirit. Um, I think my flesh is weak, uh, but I just want to keep putting on the Holy Spirit. All right, others who haven't said anything, anybody thoughts? Um, I love what you said about, you know, it, it says who can separate us versus fixing us. Who can Take us out of this. We mostly want people to fix us, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a good and, yeah. and, and our conditions, and we, that isn't what he is promising. Yeah, my boss who just had a, 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 a separation of life celebration. You know, they, they quoted him in there saying, and if somebody threatens him, he says, you know, don't threaten me with a good time. Mm-hmm. You know, or kill you. Don't threaten me with a good time <laughs> because he knows where his destiny is. And it, it just makes me think of Stephen. You know, all the cast of this was, hey, could you guys see this? Look at this. This is so cool. Coming for me. Coming for to carry me home. And, <laughs> and we lose sight of the upgrade. You know, we, we really want to stick with what we know. And we're in the process of believing in what we don't know. Yeah. It's called faith. Anybody else? Yeah. I guess I'm actually just fundamentally having trouble understanding the significance of the love of God. Uh Um, And, uh, like, I guess it says, uh, neither life nor death, nor angels, nor someone scary looking, etc., can separate us from the love of God. Like, so what, though? Is that because when something scary does occur, then you suddenly are tempted to lose the love of God. Um, I'm just fundamentally That's a great question. Mm-hmm. It is mm-hmm. a very good question. I love that. Anybody want to answer him on that? If you think about life in general and, and take God out of the picture, you've got somebody that you really love, okay? You're getting killed, not going to stop that love. You're getting hurt, not going to stop that love. You have that love for that person forever and ever and ever. And if you have the love of Jesus and the Lord, nothing's going to happen to you that will change that. 
That's what I was trying to say. You're asking the question. There's a spiritual plane, and then there's the material, physical plane, and we're all struggling between the two. And most of us, even Christians, are 95% of the time in the material. So, okay, he's, he's saying here that the love of God overwhelms all of our hardships. So, the advice, I think, is dwell on the love of God no matter what you're going through. So, so in the physical world, I may be facing death, but in the spiritual world, God still loves me. I may be, like, backed into a corner by someone scary physically, but in the spiritual world, God still loves me. It's not like, oh, God did this to you, and, you know, because he's backing into a corner or scaring you with death. Mm-hmm. Like that? Well... Well, I'm thinking God loves, if God loves us, and he is the gatekeeper to eternal life, then our temporary hardship here has a promise through his love that this doesn't matter. Mm. And I think, yeah, the, I mean, you're asking, actually, this is a really good cool question. Stretch um, there, buddy. Stretch yeah. there a little bit. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I guess in one way you could say probably the most important thing relationally that we have with other people is love. All right. Um, I would say that is ultimately with God. So if you think of the famous John 3.16 passage, I mean, everything that God has done for us is out of his love for us, which I guess you could say is his caring for us. So for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son. So the actions of God is one throughout scripture from the moment he created us to now, to eternity, is that he wants to be in a relationship of love with us. That he loves us unconditionally. That he cares for us. That he will do everything for us. Um, that we can count <coughs> on him for everything. So if you think of even just from even as we're talking about the spiritual versus the physical realm, which I do think those are pretty, they cross over. Um, you, know, you can think of like, you know, just even from a, um, a physical, I mean, from a worldly perspective, you know, if you're married to someone, okay, what's the most important thing that you're sharing with each other is your love for one another, um, which in scripture is more often than not, it's reflected with the sense of, I'm willing to give up my life for you. Okay, which is sort of the ultimate way of putting it. But think of it from a worldly, relational, human perspective of love, and then take that to the whole other degree with God's love yeah. for us. And that's what um, I was trying to say. Hmm? That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, Eric. Um, I love this question. <laughs> it's a really I know. I'm thinking about combat in Vietnam. And in that circumstance, we had operations that were nonstop, and people started dying. And we lost 23 pilots off of our ship. I really skilled, experienced people. Nobody knew why or whatever. And I found a certain peace that I just told God, you know, unless you're flying with me tonight, I know I'm not going to come back. And I trust that you'll be with me. And it gave me enough peace to be able to function and do my job and accept the fact that I'm depending on him. 
despite what was going on around me. And um, that's, that's a special, special, a special place because people are dying what I'm doing. <laughs> and every time we go off Yankee Station, we have memorial services and we throw the reefs in the water and we turn around and go back and just do it right over again. And so I can't explain it, but um, it wasn't until I really depended on him that I had any peace. Exactly. This, this to me, is that bridge between the spiritual and, and the material world. It's not, it's not looking at just the spiritual yeah, world yeah. while we're struggling. It is the bridge. This is what makes the, transcend, the transcendent real. And that is called living in it. Yeah. And, and, and we shouldn't have to be <laughs> going out, you know, on a fighter plane. This is where we walk out the door and go in to get my wife coffee in the morning, right? Mm -hmm. This is where we're, we, we are living in that. This reality plugged into our every our heart, our soul, and our strength every day because the love that we share with God is what makes everything else happen. And, and it's more than even the love for your wife. Yes. Yeah. Right. Because if you don't love with God, how do you know to love your wife? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it, 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 I've always taken this verse, these verses, to imply... What, what can separate us from the love of God? There, one thing, and that's our doubt. You know, I mean, it's doubt. And, and, and so when, and I think that's what Paul's referring to. Right. And, and so if one can, you know, now when someone dies and, you know, you worrying about you're going to come back and, uh, I've been in such, I've had people going to kill me. And I, and I've had situations that have been really horrible. And, and it could have gone, you know, and, and I've, there's been times I go, is God real? I mean, is this really real? And, uh, you know, where, where there had been doubt in the past. But what I had said earlier is how I feel now, after 50 some years of being a Christian. And, uh, and I don't, that doubt's gone. And, and so the doubt, when, when you have bad things happen to good people, and it's just, uh, that's just how it goes. And, uh, and so, uh, and I don't know what turned the corner for me, but no, I don't have no doubt now. But I sure did at one time. And if I would have doubted, why God would you allow this to happen? I could see that that would have separated me from the love of God. Fear is the enemy. The, Mm -hmm. Yeah, fear is the enemy. Fear is fear the enemy. Yeah. It did that doubt, like, now that you're looking back at it, would you say that doubt, like, um, helped your faith towards the, like, now? Like, looking like... Yes, I, well, n no, I think it was from the enemy, and, okay. and, uh, first off, and, but it was just, uh, you know, where we are, it was just a matter of growing spiritually, and growing, you know, we are on a, on a walk here and a journey, and, and uh, it, it's. Uh, but I mean, it. it yeah, I, I fought. I read every science book. I thought, oh, what about science? What about this? What? It was. It took me three years to accept the Old Testament. I thought this sounds like a bloody mess. And and uh, you know, and and uh, until I really, 
you know, now I say, yeah, it all it all puts together, and I have zero doubt, zero, <laughs> that this is not the total word of God, and you need nothing else. And but that took a long time getting there. And I ask every question in the world. Which is a good way of getting there. You ask mm -hmm. the questions. You yeah. keep asking mm -hmm. questions. That's good. Yeah. Warren, do we... Is, that, is it... Yeah. Is there... I have a follow-up comment uh, yeah. to, to you. Yeah. Remind me your name again? Kurt. Kurt. Uh, just a very quick comment. It's a touch frustrating for me uh, to hear that you remember the day that you became a Christian. And then it seems so rosy and dandy from there on out. It wasn't rosy and dandy, let me tell you. Because, and I know, that's looking yeah. back now, there is no doubt. But when you are looking ahead and you are faced real time with, you know, difficult situations, I guess what I'm getting at is, uh, for me, I do believe, and that's only something I can look myself in the mirror and say that's myself, but... Sometimes it's not so much I forget, but I don't exercise, you know, pra practice, like going to the gym, of believing yeah. and, and faith. Yeah. So uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is that's, I think, where a little bit of my frustration comes from, where it's almost like you flipped a switch and then you're good for the rest of your life. Versus well, like I don't think any of us yeah. going yeah. to the gym, continuing. Yeah, although I think, I think, and you can correct me, I'm not going to, I shouldn't speak for him. I think in you in hearing him is a good point, but I think if you in hearing him, and mostly I would say, well, let me just say it. He talked about how he became a believer, right? But then all the hardships, including his wife dying, and just so many things he went through that brings him to today where he can say that. And I think that's what you see a lot of times that you were talking about, and that this more and more that Jason was talking about. I mean, our faith is always growing. It's part of the reason I asked this question. Our faith is always growing. And so, where we are today in those, with whether we doubt or whether we go, I don't fully believe this, but wherever we're at, as we're growing, you see, and some of us who, the people who've been through a whole lot, and that could be you, but that could be someone else, that those are the things that bring us to this place of saying, Yes, I really believe this, yeah. and I don't doubt anymore. And I just yeah. want to clarify: I'm yeah. not. The frustration is in me, not not in you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going oh. right. Um, yeah. So just listen to what everybody said. Um, it's kind of. I'm trying to figure out a way to kind of tie this in, but I think um, ties in with a little bit, you know, something what you just uh, said. Hmm. I saw a video on YouTube, and it's this guy. They're out on the street, and you know, it's one of those things. I don't know, TikTokers or whatever. You know, interviewing people, whatever. Mm -hmm. And the guy asked him, um, if I gave you $100 million right now, would you take it? And he said, yeah. He said, what if I told you that you died tomorrow, though? You have to die tomorrow. Would you still take it? And he said, no. <laughs> he said, no. So, so he said, so you're telling me that your life is worth more than $100 million. And the guy said, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And he said, so live that way. And I think, I think there, there's, there's kind of, for me, there's been moments, um, mm -hmm. moments like that in my life where it happened the other day. I was at the beach, uh, and it's it was it's it's kind of weird. Like something just kind of wakes up, and yeah, I'm sure we've all experienced it in our own different ways. Where you're just like, whoa, like this isn't even this isn't even really me, and um, and even having struggled with these things and 
I struggle more than anything with myself, more than than God, and I say, how are you, like, how are you going to do this when I have, you know, in a sense, the final word, right, because of my will, and, um, but there are, you know, things like that that happen, and I think so when he says, you know, whether it's persuaded or convinced or I'm sure it's, you know, possibly just things, things like that. I mean, when he lists all these things, like at the end of the day, that's why I kind of use that example, because when you really put it into that kind of perspective and like, you know, you can see the guy's face light up, like, well, am I about to get a hundred million dollars? Because you do crazy stuff like that, right? For, for likes or whatever. And, um, but just as he kind of goes through this, and I was even just like, whoa, you know, things like that just really kind of snap, you know, my way of thinking and just this, this like kind of intense moment just helps me realize like, you know, how much all these things, um, you know, really are true. So, all right, good. Um, you know, before I'm going to go, I'm going to move on. Just one last statement. Okay. We all have shit in our life. And we've all been through it. The fact that we come through it is proof in the pudding. Yeah. It's also what builds our faith. Yes. The fact that we did go through it, and at the time it didn't seem like it. But that's the confirmation. Just the fact that we're here now, having gone through that, is the confirmation. Right. Good. So, what Paul says, what Paul says here is at the end of his conclusion of all that he's saying in chapter 8. And you have to say all of Romans, but let's just take chapter 8. So when Paul's making the statement, he's making the statement as a conclusion to what he has just said in all of Romans 8. Okay? So I want us to read all of Romans 8. And I want you guys to keep in mind the last thing that he says. Alright? You have it with you. I want you to keep in mind the last thing he says here. And think about how Paul is making an argument. We said persuade, right? I'm persuaded. Well, he's trying to persuade us in writing this word, too, that nothing will separate from the love of God. But he's going to say a whole lot of things to help us understand why he doesn't. Why why you can say that. So I want to just read Romans 8 as a totality, which, again, I would say really captures everything you guys are talking about. It really captures the Christian life. Um, and between the physical and the spiritual and all that. So, um, I want to have someone read, so if you notice her sections, chapter 8, the beginning to where it says the Holy Spirit's ministries, then someone read that section, and then someone's going to read from groans to glory, and then the believer's triumph. So who wants to start? With reading that first section, okay, Orange is going to start with the first section. Who wants to read the second? Gil, who wants to read the third, the one from Groans to Glory? Going once, going Tom. And then who wants to read the last one? We'll just read it again. Yes, why don't you go ahead, Chris? Okay, so go for it. Yeah. Uh, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. From For what the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin 
offering. Uh, excuse me, as a sin offering, in order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on things of the Spirit. Now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his Spirit who lives in you. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Because if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if, by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. For all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Hallelujah. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children, also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay and the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. Not only that, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, for redemption of our bodies. Now in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope because who hopes for what he sees? Now if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. 
And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. The believer's triumph. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more, has been raised. He also is at his, the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. So, anything that just as we're going through there, anything that you guys are hearing that, you hear the Spirit speaking to you, or you hear the God saying, or anything that just jumps off to you, or you go, what's that? Or, well, some of, the, some of the things that we talked about tonight, um, people are separating the spirit from from the flesh. From the flesh, uh-huh. but everything, if we're um, true to this, is of the spirit. We live on the carpet of heaven. We don't see yet over the wall. But we are in heaven if we've made that decision. Yeah, now it's important here to realize that the word flesh does not mean physical necessarily. Flesh means what is separate separate from God is not of God. Okay, okay. so in here when he's contrasting a mindset of the flesh versus a mindset of the spirit, he's contrasting a life of focusing on ourselves doing our own thing, not caring about God, anti-God, I guess you could say almost, versus things of God. He's trying to make a contrast with those two. All right, so that's the big contrast that that Paul's making here is he's saying there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ, if you place your faith in Christ, you are no longer condemned because the spirit of Christ now lives in us. 
And then he says we are to live that way by that spirit of God in us, not live according to the way of the world, the way of evil, the way of selfishness, the way of all that. Okay, so just to make sort of a contrast, flesh here is not, sometimes flesh can be used in scripture to mean actually physical. Here it's really referring to that which is not of God. All the things that it can do. So, like, not of the spirit, or not, not of, of the God. spirit. Things of the flesh are in anti, are anti spirit. It's someone said black and white earlier. It's black and white here. Things are of the flesh, or they're of the spirit. So there's no a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Are he Paul's calling us to say, are you in everything you're doing living with your focus and dependence and trust completely on Christ? which is by the Spirit, or are you off just saying, whatever, God, I don't care about you, I'm just doing my own thing. So that's okay. why you can say, however, you are not in the flesh. That's right. You know, we look at it. We well, are not. Right. Like my body. right, because when you become a Christian, and that's what's interesting here, Romans 8 is defining what a Christian is. A Christian is someone who's placed your faith in Christ, and when you do, you receive instantly... <laughs> The Spirit of God now lives in you because your sins have been forgiven. The very end here, you can see, we talked about this last week, that Spirit is also called the Spirit of Christ. It's, we could also say it's Christ now who lives in us. So no longer are we to be before that happened, per Kurt, 1970. For me, 1986, okay? I mean, before I was a Christian, everything, before I placed my faith in Christ, everything was about grace. I mean, I was, you asked my sister, I was very selfish. It was all about me <laughs> and how I control other people, you know? So it wasn't of God at all. So anyway, just the contrast there. Well, so. that, that is exactly what I was saying. Mm-hmm. I just wanted you to know, I didn't use the correct words, but that when we're in the spirit, there is, we're, we're in, we already are. Right, yeah, yeah. So anyway, other things. Yeah, Eric. Uh, I think it's Romans 12. It starts talking about the parts of the body, and then mm-hmm. each have a different function, but they function together yes. for for the for the whole thing to happen. Mm-hmm. And what occurs to me is what Kurt was talking about is when you go um, and even ride. Uh, I experienced some of the 12-step programs. And one of the things you share is your experience, strength, and hope. And so Christianity is an individual walk, but it's also a communal walk. And it's through sharing that experience, strength, and hope that we can get through our weak spots. That, oh, you went through that as well? And all of a sudden we can identify with that and gain strength within the community just by exchanging and being part of the community. Yeah. Because Paul says, where all of us gather together right now, with the Spirit in us, mm-hmm. we are the temple of God. Right. We are the very presence of God. And we're doing that right now. Uh, we are doing that right now. That was one of the first things I remember from one of my first meetings here, is the significance of maybe not even like, I think it was reading the scripture as often or reading it at all, but just like convening is 
I forget. It was yeah, so much I think Dale was talking you. about that. Yeah, I remember that yeah. conversation. Yeah, exactly. Very good. Yeah. It's that community of all those together focused on God. Yeah, Tom. Um, if you guys look at the very beginning of this the second verse, um, to back off a bit, our, our culture, what we grew up in without Christianity, and all of us have grown up in the culture, is secular humanism. And it's just what is in the U.S. The mores, the morals, the mm-hmm. ambitions, the justice system, everything. It's not godly. And But it has goodness in it, and so people are saying, but we're all in that. And so I'm, what made me think of this, when you're talking about basic questions, like you guys who are exploring, let's or let's just say somebody walks in here and they're an atheist and they sit down. I think that's really cool what this <laughs> second verse says, because it tells us that there's, a, there's two other paradigms. There's secular humanism, and the guy who sits down here, the atheist, he's going to say, yeah, that's my world, and you guys are nuts. And we're going to point out to him, only because Christ revealed it to us, because we don't know this. We're going to point out what he revealed to us, that there's two other laws besides secular humanism, two other worlds, like the law of gravity, there's the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ, that's one. And then, as he's saying here, it's right in the same sentence, there's also the law of sin and death. So there's secular humanism, there's Jesus and the spiritual laws, and then there's the law of sin and death. The secular humanist doesn't see those other two. He goes, well, you're nuts. There's no such thing as the law of Jesus, and there's no such thing as the law of spirit and death. But when, when you step in to this and, and, and you let the revelation speak to you, you can, you can at least open your mind and go, maybe there are these two other laws. Maybe there are these two other worlds. And if you if you open up to that, I mean, this is a richness that we have in this room. Is this these two worlds are being opened up to us by the Lord, and so we're seeing into the spirit realm that other people can't see into. And I just added from my own notes here uh, a phrase in that verse that helps me, so I'm going to read it. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, because the law of the Spirit of the life in Christ has set you free, insert, by your faith in Jesus and what he did, from the law of sin and death. We learn through other scriptures what I just added. By our faith in Jesus and what he did for us, meaning he was the atonement for our sins, addressing this law of sin and death. It blends the whole thing. Which is just, so, that's so, what, yeah. So, you, so just slide the secular humanist world aside. Yeah, we have to deal with it every day. We live in it every day. Maybe 95% of my time is spent in it, and I'm not thinking of Jesus. But the other reality, the spiritual reality, are these two worlds, the good side and the evil side, which are addressed by our faith in Jesus. And what do you do? Yeah, and what he said is what happens in your next sentence. I mean, what he did is what he says in the next sentence. He, Jesus, condemns sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering. 
there's a gospel. Jesus died on the cross so we could be free of sin and death and live now in the script. Okay, hearing somebody else read through this made me think, wow, I've, I've read this a bunch of times. I've never seen that the, that all the offerings, the sin offerings that they have, decay. Just like yeah. our bodies will decay. And here comes Christ. And he tells them right up front, you know, one sign and a sign of Jonah is going to bear witness to the fact that I am the Son of God. Mm-hmm. Because Jonah was three days in the belly of the great fish, so the Son of Man will be three days in the belly of the earth, and then he'll rise. What sin offering ever came back from decay? As a matter of fact, Scripture says he didn't even see decay. This is interesting. Thank you guys for reading it. You just, I get ministered to orally. I don't read that well. <laughs> Anybody else? Anything else that you're, yes, Jason? <clears throat> There's a lot here. Yeah. Sure, this is good stuff. That you guys take it home and just you can just like meditate on this and read this over and over again the next week and just. This, yeah. this is just one of those little things where it's like. That's what I looking for. I I think I know what is being said here, but but I I want to confirm that, and I might be totally off. This was exciting. Um, <laughs> for I consider that the suffering is the first of all. This where tools, are you at? Uh, 18. 18. Okay. So it, it, that's, it gets down to one in particular thing, but you okay. need to kind of hear the whole thing. Yes. For I cons- and this statement is just so awesome. For I consider for that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing. That's so awesome. Yeah. Not even worth comparing. Just, uh, with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation eagerly waits for the anticipation of God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility. This is this is the part. Okay. For so really the question is twenty. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it, in the hope. That the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's creation. Excuse me, children. Um, so there it is. 20 and 21. Those are, those are my little picks. Uh-huh. Nuggets. Yeah. Yeah, but can you explain them? They're over, they're over my head. Well, I, I can try. I don't know if I'm going to hit it or not, Tom, but I'll give it a shot. And I just think it's super cool. This is where I, I don't know, hopefully you, do you, you, are you hip to those? Yeah? Should I, should I take a shot? Or sure, you just go? No, go for it. Yeah, this, yeah. Is gonna be, this is really good stuff. A lot of things that people don't think about, so this is really good stuff. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, for the creation was subjected to futility. All right? So, God did that, right? Well, yes, or man's by a creation. However, this is so this is so packed. I think um, so. Subjected to futility, right? Not willingly. Not That's willing. right. Uh-huh. Not willingly. How does that work? Because everything is the will of God. Certainly. No, no, no. But but listen, the creation was subjected to futility. Yeah. Nothing begotten, but creation, i.e. 
all of creation. So, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. Alright? And then with reading it over again does not explain it. Well, but, but I guess what I'm saying is, 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 is I'm reading it over for my own benefit in the hope that the creation itself would also be set free. So, in the hope. So, the question, who's, who's hoping? Right? Who subjected it? Right? And, and what he's saying is creation didn't willingly subject itself to futility, but it was cast upon it. So, to me, I'm going with this, that this has to do with both the, 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 this has a, a Lucifer component to it, now, who was part of creation. And this speaks again to free will, right? So, we got the fall in the garden, we got the fall of the watchers, um, who subjected creation to futility. Adam and Eve were not supposed to be futile. And then after a while, God was like, you know what? This is taking way too long. I'm going to close the window even more. You guys are, I'm going to increase the futility. Alright? And so now we get into decay. And who subjected it to it? Well, Satan did, Lucifer, the Watchers did, and he did. Here. But that's not the he. God Himself. Okay, in this is so huge because you're like, why did God do all this? Why are we doing going through all this stuff, right? And He's talking about right here. He goes, why did He subject us to futility? Because in His hope, God's hope, that creation itself. Yes. will also be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. So God is giving us that free will and that opportunity and hopes with, uh, with all this groaning that we do become His children. I, I don't see that as God having hope. I see that as creation. Verse 19. Creation eagerly waits with anticipation. Right, but then look and, at 20. Right. So read because that. Because creation was subjected to futility. Right, keep going. And the hope that creation itself will be set free from the bondage of, uh, to decay into the glorious freedom of God's mm. children. So as you know, it's waiting mm. for God's children, his sons, to be revealed, verse 19. And that's the same ones that are being revealed. Uh, redemption of our bodies. Our bodies are going to be, you know, transformed from that flesh to that spirit exclusively. You know, we spirit never decays. Flesh does. The interesting thing is, you know, Christ was fully in the flesh and fully in the spirit. And we that's another you know, mind-blowing thing. But 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 all of creation groans. You know, the, the animals, the land, I mean the, the curse was on the ground. You know? What was that? What do we do? Well it's Adam's fault. It's yeah. looking for redemption. Yeah. So well we have two minutes. 
Dang, wrap it up. <laughs> um, so I'll make it in two minutes. Just give you an overview. Mm-hmm. So this was so awesome about, again, Romans 8. Is Romans 8 is really describing here what has happened throughout all of biblical history and what's still to happen. Okay. So you got, you're right. So what's being talked about here is when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, you know, a few years ago. Um, <laughs> when that happened, there was, and most people, well, I don't want to get into this, but a lot of people say that Adam and Eve were cursed. They were not. It never says they were cursed. What was cursed was the ground. So as a result of the sin that entered the world because of Adam and Eve, there were consequences to that sin. One of those sins was the screwed up creation. Okay? So creation actually, by creation I mean everything, not just man and woman, but the entire God's creation that he created was messed up because of the sin that entered the world at that time. Really, what you then have is you now have this ark that not only is it humans that are going to be redeemed and have a future, but creation itself is going to be renewed and redeemed. All right, so we today look around, earthquakes, nature, okay, we are living in a world that has not just broken us with humans, as humans, but the creation itself is broken, all right? And when Jesus comes again, there's going to be the time, which is talks about in Revelation 21, where when Christ comes back again, there's going to be now a renewed or a new creation that's going to be formed. A new heavens and a new earth. There was originally God created the heavens and earth here. It was corrupted like we were. There's ultimately going to be the glory of that being restored to a new creation. Alright, and that's what Paul's talking about here. So it's not just humans that are going to be restored without sin, with a new body that's resurrected. It is all of creation. So what a lot of, including myself, spent 15 years as a Christian not knowing this, is we are not spending eternity in a bunch of clouds in heaven. (laughs) And we're not. We're spending eternity in a new earth. Okay, a renewed earth, a lot of people will say, not just like, this earth blows up and doesn't, okay, it's that this earth, the, all the sin and everything is decayed, is destroyed, but we end up with a new earth and a new heavens, where that's where humans are going to spend eternity. So the arc of this whole thing of the biblical story includes not just us, it includes creation. And so if you read Revelation, you guys can do this this week. Go home and read Revelation 21, because Revelation 21 talks about the end result of this, which is both us restored completely with no sin in relationship with God, and we're on a new earth, and guess who comes to spend time with us on the new earth? God. So you end up having a restoration of what God started in Genesis 1, is restored completely in Revelation 21, and you see this whole arc of biblical history is happening. What, what Romans and 8 is talking about here is exactly that story as it relates to creation. So that's a short way of saying it. So you were... Agreeing with what you're saying. Yeah. Physicality. Yeah. Yeah. We're always going to be, you know, 
I don't know if the upper room is going to be here. I don't know what it's going to look like. But we all are going to have resurrected bodies. And we will be able to see each other, talk to each other, just like now. But there will be no more sin and no more death and no more pain. And we will be living in a new earth in which God will be fully with us. Wow. That's new couch. That's what it means. <laughs> yeah, and that's what it means by glory here. Glory is the ultimate realization of who we are meant to be by God that's going to be restored from our sins. So, uh, yes. As a metaphor, when we're born, we're born innocent. And, and I think that there isn't anybody here that has transitioned into sin and was delivered from sin into faith. It, well, it, yeah, so it's, it's, it's yeah, the same only, cycle. Right. It's, it's the same cycle of fall and, and coming. Right. And the only difference with that is you heard some people go beep, you know, like hit the buzzer, because we are all born in sin. We're born in sin. So we are... So, so we, we, sin nature. Right. We mm-hmm. are... Remember, in John, it says, people think, oh, gee, um, God's going to condemn us to, okay, to hell or condemn us to not be with him. We are born condemned. That's why Romans 8, 1 says, in Christ, you no longer are condemned. We are all born without God. <laughs> okay, condemned. Right. And it's only through our faith in Christ that puts us back into no condemnation in Him. So, it's not that we're born innocent, we're actually mm. born condemned. That sounds sort of weird. In fact, I mean, in, I'm going to close us because you guys can all be in prayer because I keep looking at my watch because speaking of birth and labor pains, oh, your my daughter? daughter is oh. this due right now. Wow. But I don't know if she's, she's not in labor yet, so just so you know, but her due date was yesterday. Wow. But she is, um, well, I'm ready to be a grandfather for the first time. Bless her. Yes. Yeah. Collectively, did we help you with your sermon? Yes, you did. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Will you yeah. give credit to those who... Yeah. I was thinking about probably maybe... You know, the ability to... Extra credit. You know what I'd actually love to do is get us all up there on Sunday. Are you coming on Sunday? No need. But I was thinking, Jason, you did a, you used to do a sermon sometimes because you did a really excellent job at explaining about what we just talked about. You used to do a sermon on that. All right, thank, thank you guys. Um, I'm going to just close. In fact, why don't we, since we're Eric. Sir? <laughs> Attention. <laughs> Permission to go ashore, sir. Yes. <laughs> all right. Let's all, why don't we all do the Lord's Prayer together? We haven't done that for a little while. Okay. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.